heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. There are always references to normal, to, and, and this has been going on for some time, but they'd say getting back to normal uh, through this whole COVID affair, the last couple of years of a worldwide, uh, wow, I don't know what you call it, my friends, uh, pandemic extraordinaire, propaganda, COVID exercise tool. It has changed the landscape for, I mean, the world, everybody, I mean, I don't think anybody has, uh, uh, you know, been excluded from this thing. I mean, it's in faraway countries and all kinds of places on the planet. People have been impacted by this coronavirus, COVID-19, that has uh, surrounded the planet and uh, suffocated life out of so many. Uh, you know, we want to get back to normal. And then there was that whole talk about they're looking for a new normal or whatever, you know, this the whole world order stuff, whatever it is. And I don't play in a lot of those arenas, but I get it. I get it. I pose the question to you. How do we get back to any kind of what we call some sort of normal? I, you know, I mean, are we able to go back? I mean, can we really go back to like it was back in, you know, October, November of 2019, before it came here, as you know, in early 2020. But we knew it was in China already circulating at the end of 2019 because I reported on it before it was ever here. So I know that. And you think, could we go back there? And what is what was life like then compared to Well, we know what life was like then and the economy and life and people and. You know, right? I mean, that was our normal. And now we see what's happening. And, you know, uh, how do we, we can't, we can't erase these lessons. We can't, we can't do a memory loss. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 we can't do a clean sweep and erase our RAM, um, our memory from our brains, from our minds. No, I mean, we've been through a lot together. All of us have. It's a very interesting time. It's a, it's in many ways, I know this doesn't even sound right sometimes. In many ways, it's a, it's a blessed opportunity uh, to be here, to be able to be in a position to make a difference. But knowing that uh, it is a moment of time that generations will look back at this and know, wow, what those people went through, what happened there. So that is the message I bring to you today is I, I don't really know how we get back. It, whatever it is, it is going to be some li- life is going to take on a different road for many of us, for most of us. It just is. And we have to figure that out. We'll, hopefully we'll figure it out together and see what that looks like ahead. But the real crux of this is we've got to take ownership now of the moment. That's, I, I guess, what I'm going to say. We have got to take ownership of the moment. You see, we can't push this off on another generation and we can't play victim. So we have got to take ownership. We've got to be the adults in the room. 
that is what needs to happen here. You start to think of these stories and you think, how do we ever make it right? But, but people, how can you ever make death right? When somebody is taken in the way that you, you well, where it's murder. I mean, that's a big word, isn't it? Murder. Well, you know what? There's a lot of that going on right now. Too much of it. But how do you ever, you can't reclaim that life. It's gone. That's what's so just unthinkable about this. It's, it's, it's depressing. I mean, we can't bring those lives back. They're gone. And there are so many who've come into to my awareness, my life, my a sphere of influence here that I see. And I, I think, wow, how do we? How do we do this? How do we bring people forward? How, you know, we can't reclaim those lives. They're gone. That's the thing about life. I say to you all the time, it's precious. It's precious. It's delicate. It hangs on a balance. You know, it's right there. That's why I always say to you, we've got to live in the moment. Don't live in yesterday. Don't live in tomorrow. Live to make today the best moment you can make it. Right now, right this moment. On the Weekend News Magazine on Viewpoint this Sunday, I had a, a very a special woman on, Dr. Dawn Michael. And she's a gifted communicator, really is the best way I would say it. A gifted communicator, gifted. Um, she's a therapist. Her story is absolutely incredible. And this happened over the holidays now when life was still, again, we kept thinking we were making progress, progress with COVID, but yet here's the sad reality. People kept dying and they're still dying today. Dr. Dawn, her husband, Dr. Abilio Ramos, medical doctor in Los Robles Hospital there in California, a guy that was on the front lines, a guy that was saving lives, had his own protocol, getting it out there, calling to the hospital, making sure that, you know, that uh, uh, that his patients were getting the best care. So they didn't get into getting, you know, end up on a ventilator or being prescribed remdesivir or things that could make your body, you know, you know. All these egregious things that are happening in the system, and he was a warrior. He was on the front lines. He was fighting the good fight. What happened in the story behind Dr. Ramos is, is unconscionable. Let me bring on Dr. Don Michael now uh, with us here. And um, I, the story, uh, I've heard a lot of people back. They were moved. Uh, by your words and what you had to say. And I'm, I'm going to step out of this now and let you tell the story, but unless there's a, just a follow-up question or something along the way, but I'd really like folks to get a sense from December forward, what happened and where we're at today. When did, when, bring it back to December, when this happened, when you contracted COVID and what took place and, and also Dr. Dawn Michael, it is a privilege to have you on The Voice of a Nation. Hi, Malcolm. Thank you for having me on once again. Um, your platform is really amazing because, like we talked before, this is a spiritual journey. And I do feel like I am on a different path than I was before my husband passed away. 
Amen. Yeah, I know. I know. And I, I've had that feeling about you. Uh, it has spoke to me, Dawn, that that you you um, something is going to happen. It, 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 you can't explain this stuff or describe it. Uh, it just is. But I do get that feeling. You're you're a warrior and you're not going to let your husband's death go in vain, obviously. And, and what I said in the open remarks, we have a fight to, to I mean, we can't just lie down on this thing. We have to we have to right the wrongs, don't we? Absolutely. And and I will go back, but I will say one thing about my husband that um, I just think he was fearless. He came from communism in Cuba. He escaped with his family. There's a big backstory. You can read it on Twitter, but he was fearless throughout COVID. His purpose was to be a doctor. He took that oath. His oath was to save people. And he put their lives before his, which a lot of doctors nowadays, they just don't do. They're so worried about COVID and the mask and what happened to their oath. So what happened is we had both had COVID probably a couple years prior. So we went through that. We knew what it felt like. I got through it very quickly. He had some problems with his lung because he had had a prior accident seven years further, seven years before that. So what happened is he got flu-like symptoms for three days and they really presented, it really presented itself as a flu. And so he didn't think to take the ivermectin, the vitamins, the protocol, although I did have him on vitamins, but he didn't do the protocol that he would have done for his patients. And so after three days, he felt that he was getting better. Uh, He He really enjoys sailing. He's had a sailboat for 26 years. So he went out on his sailboat. He said this is the best medicine he could ever have. Uh, He came back. I started to get sick three days, the high fever. And I said to him, you know what? Let's just act as if this is COVID and let's do the protocol. Let's get you the ivermectin. Let's get you the antibiotics, the steroids, what, what you would do for your patients. And he said, fine. And he, he took it, he started it. But the day after the sailing, he just uh, couldn't breathe. We got him an oxygen machine and we tested his oxygen and it had gotten so bad that I was either going to have to call the paramedics or try to drive them. And I really did not want to take him to the hospital because I knew what had been going on with remdesivir, their protocol. We'd had long conversations about it, but he assured me that his colleagues were going to take care of him at Las Robles because they knew the protocol that he had been doing on his patients. I didn't have that same feeling. I just didn't trust that they were going to do the right thing. So when I dropped him off in the ER, I was not allowed in. I called my son to come pick me up and my son was adamant about going in there and they said no. I sat outside, I cried with him for a bit. We went home. I wasn't really in contact with my husband because Something happened in the ER. He may have sent me a text that it was like a war room. I remember that. And then he was trying to get a bed, but he was put into the ICU where they had him not on a ventilator as of yet, but a a mask that went over his face, his whole face. And he was kind of out of it. And I think it was day two or three 
where I said to him, what are they giving you? Because I tried to get a hold of his nurses. They wouldn't call me back. I tried to get a hold of the doctor. They wouldn't call me back. And so I, I believe at that point, day three, they had transferred him to the third floor, but he was in group A, which was right above ICU. And he said to me on the phone in between breaths that he was on some medication that started with an O. I didn't believe him because it didn't make sense to me. So I called the nurses from what I could remember, and they said he was on Rendesivir. I can only tell you that my heart sunk because I knew what Rendesivir does. It shuts down the kidney and the patients die. And my husband already had some issues. He was overweight. Uh, he had had a collapsed lung seven years ago, and he did have uh, some issues with his heart, which I thought he had resolved. Uh, but apparently when the kidney goes, I think it just affects the whole system. So in any event, I called him back and I said, no, you're, they're giving you remdesivir. And at that point, I I don't think that he was cognizant completely because when they're giving you the remdesivir with the steroid I found out, which I had taken, it really messes with your mind. It does something to your, to your mind. And he just said, well, I've already had it three days. It's doing its job. You know, it's fine. And I said, no, it's not. You have to tell your doctor to take you off of it. And he said, no, you're stressing me out. What happened to me at that point, I was still at home and I was trying to get better. In fact, I was getting better, but the stress of him in the hospital, knowing that I didn't think he was going to be able to come home ever because of this, um, my son and my neighbor, neighbor um, who used to be a paramedic, they came over and they were testing my oxygen. They said, oh, it's, you know, it's low. You must go to the hospital. And I said, I'm very anxious. I think that's what it is. I think I'm okay. They convinced me to go. Um, I went in an ambulance. They were very nice. All the, the men in the ambulance, they took good care of me. We went to the hospital and we went down below and it was insanity. We were inside of the ambulance for at least three hours waiting for a bed. And uh, thank God I was there because they were giving me water. They were checking my oxygen. They were very nice to me. They gave me food. I think if that hadn't happened to me and I was placed in the ER, I'm, I'm not sure I would have made it. In any event, they told uh, the ambulance um, drivers that they had a bed for me and that they were ready. So he walked me in and uh, they put me in a wheelchair and they wheeled me into a very small room with, I'd say, three other people in that room. There was a man that uh, I think had been there a little while and then a lady with her father. He had been there for 10 hours. He had come in with restless leg syndrome. So she was allowed to come in with him. At that point, they literally didn't check on me for maybe two, three hours. I finally asked a lady if she could go out into the hall and see if she could find somebody. 
I think they brought me water. I'm not sure at that point. They still didn't come. I finally went into the hall. I got myself up because I was ready to, to slip out of the wheelchair. And I said, if you don't get me out of here, I, I'm going to leave or I'm going to, I don't remember what I said, but I was irate. And I said, my husband is upstairs. Um, I gave them his name. Finally, a nurse came in. They wheeled me down to get an x-ray. Somebody came in and they gave me some blood work. A man tried to give me a COVID test. I said, you're not sticking that up my nose. So they never really got any accurate reading. At that point, I said, if you don't get me out of this wheelchair, I'm going to collapse. They brought me in a chair that reclined. Probably 15 minutes after that, they wheeled me out of that small room into an elevator up to the third floor, which was very eerie because it was empty. And it looked like a brand new wing of the hospital. And I'd been in that hospital. I'd had my children there uh, years ago. And it was just very, very empty. And I said, what's going on? Why is the hospital so empty? And they said that they've, you know, not fired a bunch of their staff, but that they were basically on a skeleton crew, because as we know, all the unvaccinated doctors and nurses, they had fired. So it's not that they didn't have enough beds, it's that they didn't have enough employees. So the ER was basically a war room, but when you finally went upstairs, uh, there was plenty of beds. Uh, by that time, it was very late at night, I'd say around 12, I was absolutely exhausted they put me in the bed. They had already had um, like an open port to put medications in. The nurse came in. They just started putting one medication after another. I had fallen asleep. I woke up. They came in and they put a bunch of medications again. Mind you, they never told me what they were giving me. They never told me what my x-ray was. Uh, they never told me what my blood work was. So all of the protocols that they would normally do when you're in a hospital seem to have gone out the door. And I'm sure that other people have experienced this too, uh, going into the hospitals. So finally, the doctor came into the room and he was the same doctor that was treating my husband. And he was the same doctor who my husband has known for 20 years, Dr. Graham, who my husband thought was a friend of his, which turns out he was no friend at all. Um, my husband had been sending his patients to him, and he knew damn well what the protocol was that my husband my husband had um, had him do with his patients, and they all survived. And so I said to him, "What are you giving me? What are these medications?" He said, "Oh, I'm giving you remdesivir. I'm giving you antibiotics. I'm giving you steroids." I said, "I had had." Uh, symptoms at least five, six days ago, I've been on ivermectin. I said, why are you giving me remdesivir? And he said, oh, you're right. After five days, it's, it's toxic in your body. This is what he tells me. And I said, but you've been giving it to my husband. You gave him five rounds of this and he was sick two weeks prior. And he just looked down like, He'd been caught and I wish I had almost had him on recording, but it doesn't matter. I said, you need to stop giving me remdesivir. You need to stop giving me antibiotics. I said, this is unacceptable. So at that point, he realized I was a very awake patient. I knew what was going on. And he said, 
well, your x-ray came back. It says that, you know, you have some inflammation to your lungs, but you don't have pneumonia. Um, so we're going to release you tomorrow. And I, I said, okay. He goes, but it's COVID pneumonia. You have COVID pneumonia. I said, wait, I'm confused. You said, I don't have pneumonia, but you're putting it down as COVID pneumonia. He didn't really answer me. So at that point, uh, I contacted my husband. I think it was day three or four. No, that's been day five. He was in there. He was happy that I was in the hospital. I'm sorry. Let me back up a little bit. When I was in the ER, I had told him I was going to leave. I sent him a text that I had had it. And he said, no, you have to stay. So uh, I was in the hospital day three and uh, they were going to release me, but my husband and I had been texting and he didn't want me released. I don't know if he felt that he was going to pass away. And that was the only opportunity that we were going to see each other because we had asked the doctors and the nurses every single day if we could see each other. And mind you, he knew them. He's known these people for, for many years. So to think that they've lost all humanity, all decency, where they couldn't wheel me across the hallway to see my husband. And he sent me text messages that he missed me, that he needed me. Uh, we hadn't been apart for more than two days in our marriage. And so it really, it would have made a difference if I had been there. Mm. But I think that's the point. They don't want an advocate there to see what's happening. So at that point, um, day four took place and my husband told me that his kidney had stopped working Mm. and that he was demanding for a kidney specialist to come. Someone that he knew, I still don't know this doctor's name. I've been trying to find out who he is. He must have given my husband some bad news because I, I asked him, you know, what happened? And he wouldn't say what, what he had said. He just said, my, my kidney's not working anymore. I'm having um, uh, some issues with my heart now where it's beating faster. Um, mm. And at that point, we talked and he said, I'm just trying to survive. He knew that he was failing. He knew. And then he sent me a text. He said, do you understand? in the text. And I, I understood. And I, I was so livid. I, I called in the nurses. I called in this one nurse. I said, you have to take me to see my husband. And, and she said, I'm so sorry. She says, I'm going to talk to the management. She was a very nice lady. She says, I'm so sorry. I can't believe they're doing this to you. And she was very sympathetic. She was very upset. She was in tears. The nurses, most of them were wonderful. I will say that. Yeah. Um, at that point, I tried to go to sleep. And um, this is night five. I woke up at 12 o'clock at night, just knew it, I knew something was wrong. About an hour later, uh, this uh, nurse runs up from the uh, ICU. And she says, your husband is not doing well. He, um, he's on, he's been intubated. I said, oh, I said, you know what? You need to bring me down to see him. If you don't do it, I'm going to take all this off and I'm going to run down to see him. I will call everybody I know. I said, you've known him. Everybody knows him. I said, you must take me down to see him now. I was adamant about it. Mm -hmm. So she knew, she knew that I was going to make 
a fuss, a big fuss. So she, she went downstairs. They went to go get a wheelchair, my oxygen to bring me down. I believe in the time that they were doing all of this, he passed. Hmm. So you never and, did, uh, you never did see him at the very mm-hmm. end then? Well, no, they, they wheeled me down into see him. The lady that, the lady that had me uh, wheeled down the nurse, she said, you must keep your mask on to see your husband. I Mm. said, to see my husband who just passed away. And I, I said some unkind words to her and told her to get the, you know, what out of the room. Mm. Mm. Um, I got up. So let me get this right. She wanted you to have a mask on. Your husband had already passed away. He's in the bed and she wanted you to have a mask on to see him. Yes. And I was the only one in the room. This is profound. This is, this is. And and I'm on oxygen, mind you. I'm on oxygen. I still, my lung capacity, I still can't breathe. Right, right. At this point. Oh. And the only thing that concerned her was that I had a mask on. I I mean, I looked at her and I basically, she knew to get out of my way at that point. The, The thing that I am grateful for, and I do have to thank God, and I am blessed in this situation that my husband was warm. I believe he was in that stage between passing. I was able to say a prayer for him um, to pray that he, he enter heaven because he's definitely in heaven. And I was able to um, just say goodbye to him and put the sheet over him. So I am grateful for that. I really am. I, I believe he heard me when I was talking to him and I was in there for a good 45 minutes with him. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. But he had passed. Okay. There are so many things go through my mind. You know, I, I wanted to just give her the floor to tell her story without interruption and without me asking questions and what have you, you know. And she brings up a very, very good point there again about being the advocate for her husband, and which is one of the big points here, is that so many have had no family advocates at all for them out there. They're not being talked to in a respectful way. They're not discussed what they're putting their loved ones on or what happens. They're being held away from them. Like she said, how ludicrous the moment is where they even demand you have a mask on with your dying husband. I mean, what the hell sense does that make people? So what comes to my mind and what I really want to talk about uh, with Dr. Dawn on is this, and it's just interesting to me now. You almost have to question now, were these people brainwashed? I mean, did we, it's like the body snatchers of some sort, the, the mind snatchers. Did we lose part of the population somewhere? Did, did I, I, I don't really know. Did they get taken away somewhere and their minds shifted up? Like just the way she explains the story there of the doctors and the professionals and the healthcare workers and the, who knew, the, knew her husband. He wasn't a stranger. He was well regarded there. As she said, thought was a friend. But do friends do that? Well, well, or do they do they knowingly do it? Do they willingly do it? Uh, or are they even conscious in what they're doing? And that's the thing I've had a hard time with here, my friends, is this breakdown from human being against human being, this breakdown within the healthcare, the medical community, 
We have never, ever seen anything remotely like this ever in any of our lifetimes. It's never happened. And yet it's become a regular common occurrence. And the whole craziness about the mask and the rest of it, it's become a regular common occurrence. It's happening everywhere. And so I, I wonder, you know, is, is she is a therapist and somebody who understands the, the, the psychology of people, you know, we, we, let's face it, I mean, human beings are weird. We all have our weird idiocracies and the way we are and act and, you know, but, you know, it's interesting to step back and try to figure folks out. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if she's thought, what was their intention? They have to know, they have to be looking at the same information. We are people. Why is it some of us know and some of us don't? Why? Why are they given a drug that can get one's kidneys to shut down and give it to them well after the fact, knowing the harm it can do? Why? You know, you don't do that to a fellow human being, friend or no friend or whatever it is. You just don't do it. But yet it's happening everywhere. And you have to just stop and break it down and think, and why? What are we missing? Has evil permeated the, 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 the field so badly? Have, have we been infiltrated so much that we, we've lost all reasonability, all consciousness of respect? Why are we having this? This fight, uh, this feud, this trying to get proper care to people and our loved ones. And I understand what Dr. Dawn is talking about. I totally get it. Listen, I fought, I fought to the last moment to keep my wife out of the hospital. I knew that was going to happen. What she just explained, I knew it. But the problem is, as, as what happened to Dr. Ramos there, is your oxygen levels fall too low. And then... And they need help at that point, and that's it. And, and the, the typical normal oxygen tank at the house isn't going to cut it. That's the problem right there. And I, I get it, the restlessness in your body and how it overtakes you. I was in the same position Dr. Dawn was, and I, I couldn't think straight, knowing that had I done everything I could do, and where are we at really, you know? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's very, very difficult to make uh, sense of any of this. And the reason is, is because it's entirely senseless. Everything we're talking about on a regular basis, these stories that come up, and there's so many of them. They're so commonplace now. They're, they're not no longer unique in the way that they've happened. They're egregious. And, and, and these are only the stories we know. Do you know how many stories we don't even know? Stories that will never be told all over the planet. In countries all over the place. I mean, look at how Italy and Spain and France, Europe totally obliterated. I mean, it was like an alienation of some sort, what was going on there. It, it was worse than here, even. And look at the oppressive way they're handling things in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. And now, all of a sudden, you know, things are starting to change here in the States. Well, we, that's a whole other conversation we can have as to why that's happening. I have a lot of thoughts to that end as well. My friends, it's, um, it's, it's important we begin to learn these lessons real quickly in what we're doing, for sure. Um, you know, uh, 
let me mention to you, with all of this said, I talk about lessons learned, lessons learned. What have we learned? Where are we at? And one of the things I've learned so much, and I will tell you about now that, and I get out every day, I walk, I exercise, health, our minds have to be healthy, our bodies have to be healthy. Life is precious. And it's, you've got to hold on to that right there in front of you. And this is the big lesson. If there's anything I want you to take from these programs we do together is to take care of yourself, your immune system, and you've got to have a healthy immune system. See, the problem with COVID is it impacted a lot of people. They say comorbidities, you had other issues, if you were overweight, things of that nature, age, other factors, it would get into your lower lungs rather than normally a virus like this would stay in your upper respiratory tract. It'd be a flu or a virus. It'd get you sick, but it won't kill you necessarily. Uh, But this was different. This was a bioweapon. It was designed differently. It was tweaked to get into your lungs and create this havoc in your body. This is complements of the CCP is what this is. And there's more about this. I talk to you about all the time, uh, the hemorrhagic fever, the Nipah virus, other things I'm very concerned with that are circling our planet that could be problematic for the human race. You know, that's back to the fight again, you know. And uh, so the, the thing with our immune system is you've got to, you've got to keep a good, you've got to keep a healthy immune system. If you're going to fight these viruses, these, whatever it is that's circling us, and you want to have a fighting chance, you've got to have a healthy immune system. The way I do that myself, friends, is I do it by taking healthy cells. Now, I've been taking the reason I support this, I've been taking it for four years. I know the product like the back of my hands. I take it every day. Some people don't like pills and vitamins. So they have a phenomenal product line of, of gel form. It's nutraceuticals and gel. So they have a multi every day you can take. And you, just, you can take it right out of the little package. Easy to travel with as well. And put it right in your mouth and take it. Or you can put it in water. I put mine in water because I take zinc and A and D. And so I take all these other things in addition to that. And I take um, a whole series of things because y- you've got to have it. You've got to have a healthy immune system. Um, they have a product called Focus, which helps what Dr. Don was talking about, our brains. Uh, that's one thing COVID has impacted a lot is uh, your attention, your focus, your, your brains, your minds. Um, it's brain fog, it's called. And a lot of this is long hauler syndrome. Uh, these things don't have, they don't cure overnight. They take time to get through it. Just like a lot of people are losing hair. Uh, they're having fatigue, depression. These are all products of COVID. It's, it's, there's a, and there's heart problems. There's a lot of problems with COVID. This, again, this bioweapon has impacted us in ways that uh, you, you can't even imagine at this point. And there's a lot we still are going to discover ahead. So I recommend Healthy Cell for all the reasons I say to you. I, I, I took it before COVID, but now with COVID, it's, it's majorly important. Our listeners, I've arranged a promotion for all our listeners. Get 20% off the first order. You go to healthycell.com forward slash out loud. Or just there's banner ads also back at America Out Loud. You can click it, which will also give you the promotion of the discount. I recommend multi. I recommend focus. I take AM, PM as well. I take two in the morning, two at night. Those are in pills, but they're powerful. It's like a boom. It's like a blast to the body. And I take the gel. You can find out more about that on the website there, uh, healthycell.com forward slash out loud. So I recommend you do that. Also get out and walk and breathe and see this, this, um, 
be part of our day, our moment, our life, what we're about. We can't sit in depression and sit in all of this. We have to get out and live. That's what life is. That's what it is, my friends. We're going to take a pause and we'll rejoin you on the other side here with Dr. Don Michael. You're listening to the voice of a nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs. Uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall Vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD for a 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. The spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. We are the voice of a nation, the American nation that is. This is Malcolm Out Loud. I invite you back to AmericaOutloud.com where the fight for liberty and justice continues. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Libertyatamericaoutloud.com. We join you back here on The Voice of a Nation. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly. Thank you for being with me on the mission always. Um, I talk to you about our health, our well-being. I've always talked to you about that. It's always been important to me that you get the best out of your life that you can. And um, we, it's why we have to all help each other, take the steps that we need to take to be able to live a joyous and fulfilled life. Uh, you know, we get one shot at this thing here on this planet and we need to make the best out of it. And I believe that's, our, that's why I'm here. That's my goal is to, uh, to lift people up. That's what I do. That's what I want to do here on the program. Lift people up. Uh, I know that doesn't sound like a, a real objective coming from a, a, a you know a, a 
political pundit speaker, but for me it is. I come at things a little differently than most and uh, with no apologies at all, but it's, it's we all have to make those decisions in our lives, what's best for us. And this is my journey and the way I prefer to, uh, to live it, my friends. So we're speaking with Dr. Dawn Michael, her husband, a warrior, medical warrior of truth and helping so many people over his career, Dr. Abilio Ramos, medical doctor in California, Los Robles Hospital there uh, in California. And what has taken place here in uh, her life, you talk about the advocates. Uh, Dr. Dawn, I, I, let me go through a series of thoughts and questions with you now. And, you know, so many people did not have the support of their loved ones. They did not have the family advocate. They did not have the person to speak for them when they were failing. This was a real problem. I, I spoke to a lot of our medical doctors on the platform here about this. This is one of the most egregious points of COVID. They locked families out of the rooms. I mean, they really, really went above and beyond to terrorize people. And I, I, I guess I mean, it's one of the I mean, you say right there until you really banged your foot on the floor and said, no, I'm going there, whether you like it or not. And that's what I would have done. I would have, you would have had to handcuff me to the thing. And I would have absolutely given you a run for your money, just as you were doing there. I, I want to ask you right now, you have had to question yourself. I know I have. What is it with these people? What, what is it that happened in what, what took place here? Was it that society was fed a line of all of this over a period of time that brainwashed so many people? How did so many people get lost in the reservation of life? How, how did so many people, I mean, you were front and center to this there with what happened. How, you've thought about this. How did that happen? Where you can't make heads or tails out of these people who should be doing the direct opposite of what they're doing to care for someone like your husband who knew better. I mean, they knew better and they did it anyways. Why did they do it? I mean, I don't know. Did they do it out of out of malice? Were they being, I mean, were they just being rotten, hateful people? Were were they doing it out of their form of love? Were they why would they doing it? Why? <laughs> So, yes, uh, you mentioned something earlier, and it's a form of brainwashing. And if we go back to Nazi Germany, for instance, uh, we've been through the same thing. People need to read history. It's fear-based. So if you create an atmosphere uh, where people are locked up, the lockdowns, they're not having normal human contact. They're taken away from their everyday lives. They are watching TV where they have the death count every day at the bottom of the television. And there are more there are some people that are more susceptible to fear than other people. What I said about my husband being fearless, I said that for a reason, because there are certain people that have a fearlessness about them and they're not easily brainwashed. And so the people that 
have fear in them or have learned fear from an early age, they're much easier to brainwash. If you think about a baby, when a baby is born, a baby doesn't fear. A baby is taught about fear. I believe that God delivers us without fear. And so what happens throughout life is some people are taught to fear. They're put in a position where they're constantly in fear. And you have to realize that the body goes into a fight or flight mode. When that happens, it cuts off oxygen to the brain. When we don't oxygenate our brain, we don't think clearly. So, so think about the masks. Think about the double masks. This is insidious. This is dehumanizing. So all of that is to break a human being down so that you can control their mind. Right, so what is and their ultimate goal? What you say there makes perfect sense to me, which is why mm -hmm. I always say to people, get out and walk a couple, three miles. Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for years. And you know, what's amazing to me over the last couple of years is, you know, beautiful day. I mean, you see the sky, the trees are there and people are walking around and jogging literally Literally, with nobody in their area, but with full mask on. Some people with two masks on outside on a beautiful day. And, and I say to myself, these people, is they are not mentally well. They are sick. They're deranged. What do you say the, to that? Well, the first thing is to turn off the television. It even tells us what it is. It's their vision. They are telling us what to think through the television. So turn off your television. I have not had cable for a very long time and I do not watch the news. I, I pick and choose who I listen to. And if they're talking about death and destruction and anything that's fear-based, I don't listen to them. So turn off your television, uh, get out and get some fresh air and start to think about positive things in your life. The one thing that I always tell my patient is ask for what you want. Don't ask for what you don't want. If you ask for what you want, you're bringing that positive energy to yourself yeah. and, and people get what they ask for. So that happens in the other way. If you're asking for what you don't want, you're going to get a lot of what you don't want. Yeah, you're exactly right. I love what you say there. And life is what we make it. And we have to wrap our minds around that. So you you believe the way you laid up with the mask and, and the way people are, and you're so right, the fear base that was put out there. So what happened then is, it seems to me, this was like a wildfire, Dr. Dawn, and it spread all over the place. And I loved your description a moment ago, too, where you said some people are fearless, uh, yes, I, I totally get that. Some people mm -hmm. are fearless. They're not willing to compromise on certain things in life. I, I get that as well. But there's this, this mode that has taken over our society. And, and people like that were caring for your husband in the hospital. So you have to believe then that you think they were all part of that. And they really couldn't see the light to be able to reach out and, like you say, giving him remdesivir when they had to know these people are not stupid. I mean, intellectually, I'm speaking. I mean, they, they may be dumb in other ways, but intellectually, they're not idiots. So well, it, if you think about if you think about how we're taught in school, let's go back to 
just our early education. We're fed information. We're no longer asked what our opinion is. We're no longer, uh, you know, we're told not to give our opinion or to think outside the box. You have a person that is highly educated that has gone through uh, the education system for years as uh, medical doctors. Unfortunately, they are easily brainwashed because they have been taught for years and years how to think, what to say, what to do. You have your your person that comes out of high school and maybe they go into a profession where the mechanics or electronics, they're more apt to think outside the box how to resolve a problem. Their brain now becomes wired differently. And so that's why we're seeing highly educated people that seem to be so fearful and that are not thinking about how to cure a patient or what to do for the patient anymore, but they're stuck in this protocol, uh, like in a way, like a zombie. It's very, very scary, but people need to be aware that these so-called professionals, they are not functioning properly anymore. They're not, they're not. And, no. and we're seeing it all over the healthcare field. I mean, it, it is, it's crazy. Usually these people were, um, uh, were, you know, they understood the Hippocratic Oath. They were stewards of, of, uh, the, of, of health and, mm-hmm. uh, and pa- compassion, compassion uh, for yep. people, uh, which is humanity, which is what you described earlier. And, you know, you get into the healthcare field because you truly love people. I know for me, that's what it would have been. You want to help people. I mean, yes. this is what we have here. I love people. That's why I love what I do here. Cause I get to relate and talk to so many cool people. I, I'm like a, well, I guess I'm like a doctor, a psychiatrist in some degrees. I'm a ma- master of none, but a, uh, 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 but have many other talents, right? As they say, Doctor Dawn, and well, a uh, healer, a yeah. healer, healer, healer. You're, that's yeah, you're a you healer. I love it. I you love know? it. I've been called lots of things, but I'll take that one right there. Um, so, <laughs> but I have to tell you, the lessons of all of this now uh, that we take forward, I have got to be incredible and. I think that's where you're going to, I'm going to say to you here, that's, I got to say this now, I think that's where you're going to be a gift ahead uh, to, uh, to life, uh, to people, to humanity, just meeting you in this moment is, um, is not lost on me at all. There's something about the moment here and the way our paths have crossed that is, um, not accidental, I guess, is what I would say to you, Dr. Dawn, Mm -hmm. not accidental at all. And there's something about this moment where we've got to, we've, we've got to rise. You know, we're seeing all of a sudden, I think, and I'll, I'll say to you this, let's, let me take a moment here. I think the powers to be, and I say the powers to be these operatives, the bureaucrats, the political uh, chiefs, the Fauci's, all of them. I'm talking about the whole parade here. OK, I mm-hmm. think all of a sudden they have uh, they're seeing now in the last uh, 48 hours. We'll put it out here like this. The first time I'm going to talk about this on air, but it won't be the last because I'm pretty lit about this right now. I think all of a sudden now, even the blue states and the, the, the urban cities and the others, all of the governors, the mayors, the people, the, 
all of a sudden they they're having their V8 moment. Just, I could have had a V8. Yeah. Like I could have helped people out. And all of a sudden we're going to drop the mask. We're going to not do this. Well, all of, and, and we're only seeing the fringe, the elements of the edges, even Fauci fraud Fauci comes out. Well, you know, maybe we're starting to see, or maybe we should talk about, or maybe, maybe, maybe where the hell are you been for the last couple of years? You idiot. I mean, and all of a sudden we're hearing all of this and, you know, and what I'm wondering, Dr. Dorn, is this, I mean, I think it's almost like a conspiracy, you know, where they get into the room, but I think somebody, it's funny how they're always lock and step on the, and I, I'll say what I say here, it's, it's not funny, it's sick, how they're always lock and step the Marxist left, and I'll put it that way, and it, it's not lost on me at all, that when, and I'd like you to opine, I'd like to hear your opinion on this, but it's not lost on me at all that we're in an election year in the midterm, and they are about ready to sink through the floor and lose their shorts in the process, because real people are standing up and saying, we are not going to put up with this, we're going to convoy you from here to you know where in every country, and we're going to stand up for freedom and our liberty, and we're not going to... And I think all of a sudden the light bulb went on to these people and now, oh yeah, you can take your mask off. Oh yeah. I think all of a sudden the rules are going to change. What do you say? I think what happened is the great awakening. People have now lived through what has been going on with Biden and the corruption and everybody has been affected. Everyone has lost someone. Everybody has now experienced it and they've been through it and their eyes are open And I think a huge majority of the population is now awake and they are not able to place their dark magic or whatever you want to call it uh, over the people. Their spell has been broken. People are starting to see who they are, how evil they are, and that they want to destroy humanity. They don't want to um, give us our freedoms back. They want to take our freedoms. But you know what? People are standing up. And when we stand up together, when we come together, all of us, there is nothing that they can do to stop us. So that is every single person's job that's listening today is to find another person. And if they're willing to listen, if they're willing to listen, wake them up, stand next to them. And that's what we need. That's how we're going to win. And you know what? We are winning. Mm. We are winning. It's the force of the human spirit, isn't it? Yeah, it's God. This is God's plan. Mm -hmm. We're winning. It may seem tough right now because they're losing and they're going to throw out every dart, every bullet, everything that they have at us right now, including what they did to my husband. But they're losing and they know it. So. We Doc, are winning. Dr. Don Michael, I have to tell you, I just love you. Absolutely love you. You know what? That's that's the word love, right? I mean, if we put out love and we love each other and stop all this division and we come together and realize how strong we are together, we can do anything. We can heal our earth. Yeah. We can do it. Yeah, the power of the human spirit is absolutely invincible. And I always have felt that the drive in all of us. 
uh, I love it. I, I love, I'm blessed to be in this life, but uh, the energy I, you know, I've always commented, people have always commented to me, Dr. Donald, there's one thing I've been blessed to be able to bring to the game of life. It's energy. I have enough energy to light up the damn city. Okay. Um, and I've always had that. I've always had the energy. I was the guy who came in the room that, you know, sort of got it going here to whatever it is. But anyways, um, I but think- you do look at look at you've created this wonderful platform. I mean, look at all that you've done. Of course, yeah, of course it's, you it's do. It's remarkable. I still can't even believe I, I sometimes walk in and I have to pinch myself. But, you know, the only reason we could have gotten here and done any of this over the past uh, five will be six years in April. Now, we launched the network, by the way, April 1st, 2016, Dr. Dawn. And I will tell you. The only reason we've been at this and America Out Loud has become the magnet that it is, is I could not have done this at all, is because this is a mission of God Almighty. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's what it is. And we've known it from the beginning. It's a fight of good and evil. I knew it when the lights went on. I had no idea what was going to happen next, but I knew darn well that we were on the right side of this fight. This is this is, again, almost six years ago now. But I knew we were, and I knew what whatever whatever would happen would happen. And here we are. We are a mission of good, and we want the best for everybody. And so, uh, Dr. Dawn, thank you for um, this incredible, powerful, um, heart-wrenching talk. And, you know, Dr. Abilios Ramos, um, God bless him and... I, you know, I'll never get the opportunity to meet him or would have talked to him as you and I have, but he surely has had uh, a mark on many people and he helped Mm -hmm. save so many people. You have got to be proud. Oh, he is a hero. His story, please read his story on my Twitter because his entire life is amazing what he has done. He is an amazing man. And when he was born, God almost took him from us. He was a blue baby. So I believe that everything that he has done until the day that he has passed away um, and the memory and what is going to happen in his name is going to be incredible. And I will not stop until these people who've gone through what we have gone through are compensated and that they can start to get their lives back. And that is my promise. You are a warrior, my friend. You are a warrior. And uh, you're a terrific warrior. Dr. Dawn Michael, uh, she's a warrior. Warrior of love, a warrior of peace, a warrior of truth, uh, a warrior. And uh, and you hear what she says. You just know that rings in your mind and your soul right now. I mean, you, you know that. You know there's nothing like the human spirit when it comes down to it right there right there people grab onto that you, you feel what i'm feeling right now grab onto that right there that power that energy right there and don't let it go thank you for joining me on the mission here it's time to get involved and get loud.